Normally, right here, I would have a clip from the episode of the show that like really spoke to me. However, I don't have that today. So, welcome to the show. This is the Can I Say This at Church podcast. I am Seth, and I'm really excited to go. Now, I kept clipping little pieces here and little pieces there, and I found it really hard to find one specific thing that I'm like, yes, this is the first thing that you need to hear. So I just didn't do it. This episode is just, mm, I don't know what the word is. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now that's a big tease, I know. Today I brought on Andy Squires. Now, I've used his music in the past on a different episode, and honestly, I can't remember which one. And you'll also hear a bit of his new music in this episode. But I brought him on, and we went all over the place. We talked about church, we talked about culture, we talked about Pentecostalism and revival and what it means to have music in the church. And we talked just about what it is to try to give words to the emotions that we're feeling when we talk about God. And for Andy, that comes out in music. And man, I loved this conversation. And so I'm going to stop talking so that I can cue some of his music. And then, oddly enough, I can start talking again. A little editor's note. So this episode was like recorded maybe four or five months ago. And so there are going to be some references that are a little dated in that. However, I bit off a lot at, uh, I was off the last two weeks of 2020 and I just went all in. I don't even remember how many episodes I recorded, but apologies for some of the dated references, but I'm really excited to go. You bring the comfort, I'll bring my thinking, you bring the new wine, Lord, I'll bring the drinking, you bring your spirit. I'll bring my weeping Oh, I have nothing else But the promises you're keeping Andy Squires, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, and thanks for your music as well, but we'll get there. But thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm well. It's it's a real pleasure to be here. Actually, I I uh, actually have been listening to your podcast recently, and I just finished the one with uh, the theologian, the open open uh, Thomas Ord. Yeah. Tom, oh God, I I I've, I've been living rent free in that guy's head for about five years, I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's an appropriate number to pay rent if you had to pay rent? <laughs> Man, the. the the wisdom that guy is giving away is priceless. <laughs> I get I get a lot of pushback on that. Um, I was yeah a lot. There's a person where I work that realized that I am the pot. Like they listened to the podcast and then they didn't realize that it was me until later. And they're like, oh, I recognize that guy. And we were talking about the other day, and they were really struggling. And I, I tried to break. I was like, listen, I don't know where I'm at with all of Thomas's theology, and that's okay. That, that's that, I'm just being honest there. I was like, but I do know, because my wife is a, is a pediatric cancer nurse, and I was like, you know, I know there are many humans praying for those kids, and many yeah. of them die, because I yeah. watch my wife struggle with those families and attend funerals when able. I, I see that. So yeah. if I'm praying for a job, they're praying for a child, and I get the job, and it's because of prayer, Yeah, ah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that God sucks. You know, like, and that's just that one instance. Like, I'm pretty sure I don't want to worship that God. Like, what is that? You know, so, yep. so much you, pushback. You, you have come over into my artistic world. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's been a whole musical journey for the last, I guess, 10 years. Why that? Why 10 years? What happened? Uh, well, I wrote this record around 2000 and between 2009 and 2010 called Cherry Blossoms. And it's, it's actually the record most people who are familiar with me are, that's the reason they know of me, but uh, just, just tragedy, random tragedy mm -hmm. in the middle of a, a uh, I was in a, 
was in a fantastic church. Like we were, you know, I'm, I'm charismatic person, you know, theologically Hmm. Pentecostal born and raised. And, um, there was actually a murder that happened to one of the dearest families in our church, just out of the blue, they were sleeping in their bed one night and, uh, an intruder came in and murdered the husband and, it, you know, nine, 11 years later, it's still a cold case. It was never solved. Mm. And so, you know, uh, it's like this gang of ugly facts sneaks up on your theology and does all kinds of things to your mind. You know, I, I heard a poet recently talking about how what trauma does is trauma destroys people's belief systems, you mm. know? So, that's what happened to me. And that's why it kind of sent me over into the musical exploration of all those topics. I love music. Music is my thing um, to my wife's chagrin. So there is not a time in our house that there's not music playing. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. she just wants silence, but that's how yeah. I decompress. Like, like, right. um, like there's a moment in, uh, I think it's dead horse, dead horses. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it this morning and I caught something because I play music as well. So every once in a while I'll hear something. I forget what I asked. I asked, I had Derek Webb on once and I asked him a question. I was like, the time signature changes. So you've got like one thing. I was like, so there's a constant dissonance. And he's like, I think you're the first person that's caught that. I was like, well, it bothers me because I was trying to play with you. And I realized, what are you, I can't play this. He's like, yeah, it takes two people. You can't, you have to have at least two people to play this song because you can't play both parts. That's intentional. I was like, well, that's annoying because it's only me in my basement. But yeah, I think trauma is the thing that I know for me, trauma or other life events or exhaustion or, or other mental anguish is, is often what I think you're right. I mean, that's, that's the story of the Bible. Like, what is it like 70 something percent of the Bible is, is lament and bad things happening. Like just, oh, this, this is awful. Do you think that's necessary for people to have growth in their spirituality? I don't know if it's necessary, but I, I find that it's coming for everybody, whether they believe that or not, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I, I mean, you would have to be a fairly unique individual to skate through your entire life without some form of surprise suffering coming at you, you know. And, you know, I think so much of our theological or or ecclesial practices uh, have a lot to do with keeping pain at at a distance or Mm. keeping pain at bay, you know. So, like, like in my my spiritual camp that I grew up in, we... uh, you know, it, it's it's really easy to to lampoon, you know, the word of faith movement and, and more of the like prophetic camps that I that I come out of. But like without getting over into like scoffing at those people, the there are really well intentioned, well meaning, sincere people who have put a lot of stock into some, you know, some significant ideas that you could actually lift from scripture. And one of those ideas that I think was kind of a background program for myself, if not many of the people that I was doing church with, was this idea that, you know, the confessing of the scriptures, and I don't mean as the confessional church, but I mean as like roughly as an incantation, you know, like you could you could quote Psalm 91 or you could, you could quote Psalm 103 and if you internalized it well enough, you could actually manifest the realities that are described in those Psalms. You know, Psalm 91 talks about disease not coming near your house, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, a thousand at your right hand may fall, 10,000 at your left, but no, no, none of those slings and arrows of misfortune are coming near you, you mm-hmm. know? I know yeah. that's that's going to sound strange to some of your listeners, but that sounds, sounds strange to me, honestly, Andy. Um, but that's not the tradition that I grew up in. Mine was a much sure. more rigid, logical, you speak when spoken to at church, maybe yeah. you sing if you're asked. And men, you want to sing that under. What's the thing in the in the hymnal book where there's like the little echo underneath it that the men are yes. supposed um, Yeah. What's it? Yeah. I don't know. It's my favorite part. Um, I yeah. still sing it at church now and it bothers my wife because we'll be singing oh, when we could go to church. Um, uh, it's not up on the screen because we're not singing out of the hymnal, but I'll still still do it. Yeah. She's like, why do you do that? I'm like, because it's, it's there and it's my favorite part, <laughs> that little that little echo. Um, but, tr- but trust me when I tell you, this is not some fringe belief. This is actually, 
it's it's mainstream American Christianity at this point, you know. How so? And, Tell me more about that, because the like like what would be so if someone's hearing that. What would be an example of that? Like who, if they were to try to listen to a sermon or view a church's like live stream to see what you're talking about, like what would be that like for context? Well, I I think I think it's this idea that with faith you can move mountains. Mm-hmm. So so if you're having issues in your life. It's because your main issue is that you don't have enough faith. So faith becomes the number one name of the, it's the name of the game. It's like, uh, so if, I mean, gosh, I hate to, I hate to pick on folks cause you know, I, I don't want this to sound like as a, a like a, a critique that God's not working in these places, but you know, like, I mean, everybody from folks like Bill Johnson at Bethel to Stephen Furtick at Elevation, there is an emphasis on like filling yourself up with enough good, I don't know, Bible reading that, you know, it's like, it's everything's hinging on how well or how much you believe the word Mm -hmm. and probably more along the, the real strong faith passages that, you know, Jesus is speaking and, you know, the metaphors of mountain moving and, you know, like, or even in the miracles where he was saying, well, or, or the gospel would say Jesus couldn't do a miracle in this town. Why? Because there wasn't enough faith. So folks could read that and go, oh my gosh, the miracle I didn't receive that I prayed for happened or didn't happen because I was missing the faith component. Mm. And so, I mean, the more extreme camps would be like Kenneth Copeland and even a, a Joel Osteen. Yep. And, I mean, these are really, really powerful people who have millions of followers. That's what I mean by it's not, it's not some fringe. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it may be fringe theologically speaking, but culturally, it's very much in the center of American evangelical hope and belief and, and practice. Yeah. And then I want to recenter. So you're saying that that is a good or a bad thing? Uh, it's interesting. That's complex. I mean, I've, I've walked away from most of that, uh, because, you know, my, my questions about the, the character of God, the nature of God, you know, the nature of evil and suffering and how God interacts with us. Uh, I kind of, I had to put all of that on hold because that when, when I, you know, I've, I've, I'm old enough now to have gone through not just one or two tragedies, but like three or four or five now, you know, it's like, you know, there's not like a suffering quota that you fill and then the universe lets you off the hook. It's like, <laughs> you just, it just kind of keeps going, you know? Yeah. Um, but but I, I'm kind of like, you know, Sam Harris, you know, the famous atheist, and I know he doesn't speak for all secular humanists, but it's like, Sam kind of gives a real interesting perspective on belief structures being helpful for humankind, you know? So like, I, I'm not setting out to create this big undoing for people and their belief systems. I'm just trying to be faithful with telling the the story of my own life and as it relates to God. So to answer your question, (laughs) I would, I think that would be a mistake for me to just like, yeah, give a big sweeping critique and judgment on them, on all of that. But you know, yeah, well, I'm, I'm anything that has negative sides. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit jaded, especially when it comes to, to pastor Osteen because he, um, for a time there, I would really get annoyed when he would say something on Twitter or in a sermon, and he would uh, lift seven verse, seven words from a verse that was maybe three paragraphs long, and yeah. I would fix it for him. Like literally, all I would yeah. say was, "I assume this was a mistake. You meant to put the whole context there, but now I don't understand the sermon." And then after about three weeks, he just blocked me everywhere. Um, right. You know, because that, that really bothers me when we look at like interpretation of scripture and reading scripture, when, when you rip it of context, like it, it, it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, you can twist scripture to mean anything at all. Um, I realized we skipped a few things. We just literally jumped right in, which I love Darn. that. But for people <laughs> listening who, 
Like, what do you do? Like, what are you doing? Why are they doing it? And what do you, you know, all the things like, what do you, what do you, what do you want people to know about you? Cause normally I start there for context and we just went right in, which I'm totally fine with, but there'll be a lot of people yeah. that maybe haven't listened to your music. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? So what, what do you do? Uh, well, my, my full-time job is that I'm a, I'm a pastor at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not the lead pastor. I'm, I, my main job is the, the music here, mm. but I, I do a lot more than that. Um, but then a really, the other big part of my life is this, you know, performing artist, uh, musician thing mm -hmm. that I do. It's, you know, I'm, I'm mostly in, in faith orbits when it comes to that, because I, I sing mostly about God, you know? Um, but that, I think that's a little bit confusing for folks because once they, you know, I mean, I think when you say to people that you're a Christian musician or that you play quote Christian music, it's, it's, it, it gets a little bit tricky because there are expectations tied to those, you know, yeah, those phrases. And so I think what I've set out to do is really be an artist first. You know, I really kind of made some artistic choices within my music that Oh man, for better or worse, has kind of made me an acquired taste and not necessarily a like a household name or anything like that. But folks that do end up stumbling across my music and and sticking around, uh, they tend to, you know, hear things that, that you wouldn't normally hear in Christian music. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So your music is, li I, here's what I would say. So if most people are listening to Christian music and they're just hearing whatever's on the radio, like it's all rah, rah, my God's better than your people. We did it, yeah. we're together. And every once in a while I'm broken, but even that's more of like a sappy marriage song. It's not sure. like, like it doesn't sound like Amos to me. It doesn't sound like Ezekiel to me. It doesn't sound like James to me. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me, it doesn't seem to echo the 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 voice that I hear calling out in, in the wilderness. Your lyrics do, however. Uh, so do like John Mark Millen's. And there's another guy that I've been listening to recently. I think it's David Benjamin Blower. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He know. has a song, and I'll send you the link. Um, he has an album that like, it's like sit down and turn off the lights and weep. Like just, I don't know how to describe it well. But yeah. one of those ones where you're like, ha, ah, like I can't. He doesn't have the best voice. Neither do I. But it is... Uh, like it is, yeah. it is, I don't, I can't, it's hard to describe. Um, yeah. yeah. So what is that? So when you're writing music, does, so your lyrics are different than most, I, I'll, let's, I'm not going to call it worship music. Let's just say music from a guy that happens to be a Christian. Um, do you sing your songs in your church? Like, or are y'all singing something else? Because I can worship listening to, to lyrics, you know, that you write, but I don't, what, what does that look like on a Sunday for y'all as the worship pastor? Yeah, I mean, it's a mix. You know, I I think part of part of being a, a, a human being who is part of a bigger community is that it's not all about you. Like, I, you know, it's like, I think one of the, the we all kind of want to form gods in our own image. And so I think being in a community helps you to not do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I like to run ahead of everybody. I, it's, it's good that I'm married to the person that I am because my wife, Amy and I have this constant back and forth about like, I just want to do the most interesting, most shocking thing that I can all the time. And she helps me with that. And she says, well, you can do that, but you're going to leave people in the dust. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think we, we, we have a good mix. We'll do some more, you know, more, I, I hate to use the word safer, but yeah, they're just safer yeah. songs, you know, and then we'll do, we'll do some of my songs and some of John Mark's songs and mm -hmm. uh, it's a mix. Yeah. It's a mix. He's actually the person that back in the day, I think I talked to him for um, Christmas a while back, like two years ago. And I was asked him who he was listening to. And you were the first name I think rattled off his list. I was like, I don't know who that is. And he's like, dude, you're, yeah. you're missing it. He's like, if you like my stuff, 
yeah. I like his stuff. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I want to talk about some of your new music. Um, you've got yeah. three singles that are out. I've been listening to them on repeat. There's four singles. Does four Spotify singles. lie to me? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's dead horse yeah. river of fire. You bring the morning and before you God. I don't think I've listened to before you God. Oh, that's the one we should be talking about today. Actually. Can we, <laughs> can we then? But I haven't listened to it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, why? Why should we be talking about that? Well, I was getting blasted when you guys were talking. You, what's his name? Jay or Thomas? Thomas. Thomas uh, Ward. Yeah. Thomas Ward. You guys started talking about miracles, and and my my final line and my final verse in that song is, uh, "Cure for my fear of cancer is dripping down my throat. I still believe in miracles, God, even when you don't." And uh, when I landed that line, it was like, it was a, it just was like the heavens opened, everything aligned. And it was like, I, it was like I was solving a problem for myself, you know? Mm. So, um, mm. anyways, I, I, that's, that's the question. That's the song I get the most questions on. Specifically that, um, like, but, but why? Because of that lyric or, cause I'm now I'm looking at the lyrics. So mm-hmm. like, what are people questioning when they hear that? Is it, is it them questioning why you wrote it or is it them echoing your cons- Like, what are they questioning? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like this is, this is the main relationship people have with my music. They hear it for the first time and typically they'll say, I don't like it or I don't understand it. You know, those are the two things that I'm, you know, I hear the most. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which I'm perfectly fine with. No, I take that back. I'm not perfectly fine with it. I want to be, that's the truth, you know? Uh, but otherwise I'm perfectly happy with that reaction because for me, I love music. I love songs that, that force me to think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to be told things that I already know. I'm, I'm looking for thinkers that are kind of like pushing beyond the status quo so that song, that entire song is kind of this, um, it's, for lack of a better word or description, it's, it's a little bit of like an anti-deconstructionist hymn. What, what it's really, what it's, what it's doing is it's kind of an honest assessment of, of the way life really is but it's, it's a praise anthem to God. Like, though you slay me, <laughs> yet will I praise you. It's really, it's really my version of that, you hmm. know? And so that line, I still believe in miracles, God, even when you don't is I, I had this, um, I had this rev, I had this revelation recently so I already mentioned coming from a charismatic Pentecostal background where praying for people, praying for the sick with the expectation of, of change or healing was just, that's just our, that's our way of life. Like that wasn't even like, of course somebody gets sick. Of course you're going to pray for them to be yeah. healed. Yeah. You know, but I realized, you know, you know, and, and some, some of our main critics were guys like John MacArthur, you know, cessationists like John MacArthur, who, you know, they'll put on the strange fire conference and just talk shit about Pentecostals for five days. And that's like, <laughs> you know, that, that's like their version of faithfulness to God. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I totally respect. And so many of that, so much of that critique is warranted, but, uh, but I realized like, in, in all of my uh, struggles with guys like John MacArthur, I one day realized that they put their head down on their pillow at night and sleep better than any of us Pentecostals. And the reason is, is because they have no hope for any change ever. Like they're not, they're not, um, nothing is riding on the power of prayer. They're not gathering their churches together and praying for somebody who's got cancer to spontaneously be healed. They're praying, God, whatever you will, let it be done. It's like it's like mm-hmm. the perfect prayer. It is the perfect prayer because if the person dies, it was God's will. Yeah. If the person recovers, it was God's will. They 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 have 
created a theological world where they have they have the certain answer for everything you know mm-hmm. to me if you're a pentecostal person you're just a glutton for punishment you're you're you've you're inviting yourself into the great disappointment of knowing god you know and i think that that is something that i'll probably never be able to get away with because because the problem is is i have seen miracles that's my issue like if i had never seen an answered prayer I would have walked away from this a long time ago, mm-hmm. but I've seen, I've seen both. I've seen miracles and I've seen an- the anti-miracle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, like you guys were mentioning, mentioning batting averages in, in that, that podcast, <laughs> I, God's got the worst batting average with this. Yeah. He, he does. And, and the thing that most intrigues me about God is that he is, completely okay with that. He's not, he's not making excuses for himself. I mean, even in the testimony of scripture, he's not doing damage control. It's not, it's not a spin job. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, life's very hard. Give me just a second. We're coming right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Wild Foods. Wild Foods was founded on an obsession with finding the best ingredients in the world to support health and longevity. They specialize in real foods from small producers around the world who are passionate about ingredients and their story. Now, I have recently been partaking in some of their stuff, and I have tried the Cocotropic Superfood Elixir. It's good. I've been adding it to my coffee. At work, sometimes I'll make tea, and I will add it to that. And I will tell you, it gives me a boost. It is just what I need to get through the end of the day. They have all sorts of things. And I already know the next thing on my list. I'm getting the wild lumberjack coffee beans. I'm excited for it. If you want to try some, you can go to wildfoods.co and at checkout enter promo code SISTAC. That's C-I-S-T-A-C. They have all kinds of products. I think that you'll be pleased. Trouble's gonna come Drowning me like waves How did I become The one nobody saves All the things I've done I was watching, I don't know if you watch Netflix or not, and I can't remember the name of the show. It has Zac Efron in it, of all people, which amazes me why I'm watching it. But it was, um, he he was talking to someone, or he heard a podcast apparently years ago, and this is badly paraphrased of what I remember of the, of the little seven-part episode, maybe eight episodes, whatever it was. But they went about like climate change and that type of stuff and trying to be a little more sustainable, take care of things. But they went on to talk about water and its importance. And like they spent time in France and France has like free, high quality public water that isn't treated by chemicals for everyone because they think it should be a human right for people to be able to drink water. Um, But they end up going to, and I'm going to forget the name of the pool, but apparently there was some place in France, I think it was France, where a young girl had a vision that she needed to dig a hole here and there's going to be a well here and this well is going to bring healing. She had some ailment or maybe someone in her family did and that person was cured. And now there's like a installed Catholic priest there where they have like a rigorous seven medical volume type of thing of to deem something a miracle. And and the priest was like, often there are no miracles here. But he's like, we do have some where we literally keep track of these people like every two years to ensure that whatever was cured is still cured he's like and these and it was like a stack he's like these we have no explanation for he's like but those over there there were tomes and tomes he's like those are crackpots but these we don't know what's happening and so yes we classify these as miracles but they had like a medical doctor there and a priest there and he he nuanced it was a really deeply religious conversation for them to just be talking about the importance of having water and i was like huh how did they nuance this conversation? They did the science part and they did the religious part and both people were in the room like, I don't, neither one of us can really undersp- explain this adequately. Um, so yeah, miracles are a thing. I don't understand them. I don't think I ever will. 
And, and I think that every person needs a fly in their ointment somehow. Like, I think that's, that's what God is. Ultimately, God is the fly in all of our philosophical ointment. You know, like, <laughs> you, get your, you get your life grid belief system all straightened out at some point, and then there's always the thing, right? There's the miracle or there's the note, there's the non-miracle, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different things that that, you know, God shows up as in your life. But, you know, back to the music, I think that for me, the most interesting parts of life are exploring those those flies in the ointment, as it were. Yeah. So you, so there's not a lot of you on the internet. So it was hard for me to do research. So I spent quite a bit of time data mining your, um, your Instagram, because I like yep. to find questions that I would ask you if we were having like a drink at a bar yep. or whatever. Um, which yep. if I can ever get out of the COVID, I'll do that. I'll come down to, um, Charlotte, right? You're in Charlotte. We'll get a drink. Mm -hmm. Why not? Um, so there's a thing in here where you're talking about dead horse, which I just watched the lyric video for a, a few hours ago. I didn't know that it existed, but I don't get on YouTube all that often. Um, but you say in here, you wanted to make one that was um, like a David Lynch filter wrapped up with a gospel ribbon and a bow, but with none of the accoutrement, I don't know how to say that word, of standard Christian propaganda technique. What is yeah. that? What is the standard Christian propaganda technique? Like, what are you, what are you saying? Well, I think that if you took a broad sweeping survey of storytelling by the evangelical church, one of the main issues or, or one of the main takeaways that you could find is that whether their story is 60 seconds long, five minutes long, or two or three hours long, there will always be some kind of redemptive conclusion in the telling of the story. And I think that's not as interesting as telling some stories without the conclusion or, or at least a conclusion that is more a mirror of, of how life actually works. Uh, you know, I've just had, I, so, so for instance, you know, speaking of cancer, one of my best friends in the world died from cancer and all of the prayers were prayed. We stood on our head. We did the rain dance. We did, I mean, that's what you're going to do when mm -hmm. you're in desperate straits, man, you're going to pray. And that's what you should do. I would still do that. But I don't want to shy away. I don't want to have to do damage control for God when I'm singing my songs. I don't want to, I don't want to write the story of my friend dying for cancer and go, yeah, but you know, God still loves us. I mean, I believe that. I believe that. But, but that particular chapter of my life, that particular story should be told. It should be told with a faithfulness to the actual events, you know, not not as a movie of the week wrap this up in the last five minutes thing yeah. where like, yeah, but everybody's happy at the end. Like, no, the worst thing that happened did happen. And any grace that occurred out of it or after it, happened in the light of his death, not because all of our prayers were answered. And, and so when I was working with the filmmakers for that song, it was like, I, I kind of had to wrestle with them a little bit because, you know, I think the, these, these were some younger filmmakers who had done, done some work in the church world and they were so used to working with, pastoral people who are like, yeah, but we got to make sure that at the end of this, the orchestra comes in and Jesus comes out of the grave. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, what we're going to do in this is this, the person is going into the grave and, and then end, end shot or end story. You know, mm. I want to tell some stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. So in that song, Dead Horse, what is the dead horse? So I've been wrestling with this quite a bit. Is it faith? Is it religion? 
Is it the way that I approach God? Like, what is the dead horse? Uh, for me, it, 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 it's, it's not religion. It's not faith. It, it was more just when you're in your twenties, you have hopes and dreams and your dreams are out in front of you. And the expectation is that those dreams are going to come true. You know, here's something that the evangelical church has done so poorly with the generation that they were teaching. And I was, I was part of this or receiving this message, but there's this idea of destiny or calling, right? So I heard this from dozens, if not hundreds of pulpits growing up and into my young adult years, like you're special, you're unique. You have a calling on your life. There's something, God has a plan for your life and your job is to discover what that is and do big things for God. Like that is when you're young and you're, you're having church experiences that are powerful. And then you hear that message. Oh man, it does wonders for your heart. It sets your heart on fire. Like there's, there's, there's a healthy zeal that is attached to that. And so you're like, Oh, who wouldn't want to sign up for doing good things for God? That sounds great. Especially if it includes a stage and me talking in front of a hundred people or a thousand people, you know, like the advent of the megachurch stage be- has become a powerful icon within our collective Christian consciousness right now. So 200, 300 years ago, I don't know, like if you were a Christian in America, it was like you were a dirt farmer and you went to a little wooden shack somewhere and the guy who could read was the guy doing the preaching. There was no career path for yeah. being a Christian, right? That's all changed, man. There's a whole industry. There's a whole Christian. I'm a part of it. I'm, I'm, I know what I'm talking about (laughs) anyways. Um, yeah. So, so all of that to say, uh, finding out that those, those callings, those destinies (laughs) were, I don't know. Mm. I I do feel a call of God on my life, but Mm. the definition of that calling has totally shifted for me now. Yeah. So it's, the dead horse is the death of those dreams. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I also feel a calling, though I don't want to be in ministry. I could probably preach a sermon if I wanted to. Yeah. I've studied enough. I could probably wing it. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, I've been told I have preached sermons and I didn't even know it as I'm just telling, talking to people about God and, my, and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And then we just dig into it. Yeah. I've told many friends, if I, could, if I could get paid the amount of money that I wanted to or needed to to support my family, and just yeah. do this, like literally just talk about God every day, all yeah. day. Let's sign me up yesterday. Let's yeah. let's do the thing. Um, yeah. 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 For me, doing things like this is like an NFL quarterback doing NFL quarterback things or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just love it. I would do it. I, I don't really get paid. I do it anyway. I just, just really enjoy it. Um, so subversively, do you feel like many pastors are on the same page with you, whether or not they're in a Pentecostal type charismatic tradition where they're like, yeah, the church really needs to pivot. We're doing this wrong. It's going to break apart because we've idolized power and empire and my self-fulfillment and my self-development as opposed to the politic. And I use that word with intention, not, not as a party, but as a politic of you and I as a church and a community of growing together do you feel like most pastors are on board with that like if they read your lyrics they're like yeah absolutely but i'm not going to say that in my church oh that's a great question oh man i I think there to use an old testament word i think there's a remnant i think that because we have been in uh well for maybe 10 15 if not 20 years the the boiling the the simmering uh, zeitgeist has been deconstruction, right? Mm-hmm. So what is it that people are really deconstructing? I don't think it's, I don't really actually think it's belief in God or belief in Jesus. I really think folks have, have worked under evangelicalism practices for so long that that's the thing that's being deconstructed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, but I think that there's not, uh, a wholesale thought process to, I think there's plenty of pastors that would hear my songs and go, Oh, he's a heretic. Let's not invite him to this church. But then I have, I have plenty of 
you know, really, I don't know. They're not, they're not necessarily more thoughtful, although I would like to consider that they are, but pastors that are responding to what I'm doing and are un, unafraid about having me in their church and singing the songs that I'm singing and the way that I'm singing them. Um, mm. I, it, it's both of those for sure, you yeah. know. Yeah, I will say the tem- timbre, I don't know a lot about music, but the timbre of the way that you sing the words is is what's is what gets me. Um, mm. Can I ask you a bit about Dead Horse? So at about three minutes, 35 seconds, there are no words for like a minute, minute and a half. But there is like a really nice piano melody holding the line, holding the tension from the previous verses. And then the guitar, I think it's a guitar, comes in and it just feels so disjointed. Like it just feels so disconnected. And then it ultimately almost resolves when you start singing. Like it almost, almost comes back together. Is that intentional or is that just me hearing what I want to hear? Because it's like all of this stuff and then it's like, ah, I don't know. Like, you know, it's, it's disjointed. Yes. Well, the whole record is really that way. I mean, there's, there is, uh, I mean, when you go back and you listen to Before You God, I mean, it just, it's, it's an aggressive record, man. Mm. I mean, it, it's not, the, the message that the album is carrying is carried within the music as much as it is in the lyric, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think that some of the, uh, you, you, you know, music, it, art is subjective, right? And, and artists make choices and choices have consequences, you know? So why do, why do artists make certain choices in a direction? You know, I think for me, I'm an Enneagram eight. I think provocation is, is one thing that I actually, if I'm really being honest with myself, I truly enjoy it. You know, I don't, (laughs) I don't want people to be, I don't want to be easily understood. I don't want to be like making decisions so that I can, uh, fit in with all of the things that are happening in Christian music. I actually want to confront those. I, I actually would call them idols. It's, it's the, your artistic choices are a critique of culture. The mm-hmm. culture that you inhabit are either critiqued by, or I, I I'm, I'm losing myself. I'm trying to say too much. Anyways, I really would say that what you're hearing some some of the off kilter rhythms and some of the dissonances that you're hearing in those songs are not mistakes. Mm. They're absolutely intentional. Before you guys, so I've been reading the lyrics as we've been talking off and on. Yeah. Is that a call and response? Like is mm. the second line after the second stanza, is that the voice of God? Uh, no, it's all me to God. The reason I read it is so I read it. So you, before you got him opening your heart, and then I know you did not expect me. I'm a thief in the night. And then to find you in the darkness, I won't. So if you read every other line to me, it feels like, yeah, the response. So, but so maybe that's me because again, I haven't I, heard. I've heard it. So yeah, what I did was I I I flipped all of those parables or those biblical images, and I made it about myself. Mm-hmm. So so the the parable of the good shepherd finding the lost sheep who's out in the dark, lost. I'm the good shepherd. Christ is the Mm. is the lost lamb. Mm. So, you know, I know you did not expect me. I'm the thief in the night. You know, that's language we always heard growing up, you know, the return of Christ coming like a thief in the night. Yeah. You know, I just, I, it's just wordplay yeah. really. Yeah. I'm, that's going to be the next thing I listen to as soon as we're done here. Um, Cause I didn't, I didn't know there were four. When's the whole album out? Cause four songs is not an album. Yeah. We're, we're uh, February 8th is the, our worldwide release date next year. How many songs are there? 10. 10. Are they all done? They're done. Huh. So why wait till February? Uh, We've got uh, just, we've got artwork. We got Mm. mastering artwork and then a marketing campaign that we're. Got you. Yeah. Got you. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to win the internet with this thing, man. It's a hard thing to do, but we're. Like I've, I've just had so many friends put out records and it's like, it's like you put it out on Spotify and it goes, it, it does a little flash and then it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's a strange new world with, with all things 
music promotion. So we're just trying to crack the code. Yeah. If I can help you, let me know. Cause I genuinely think people should hear your work. Um, Thank yeah, you I, much. yeah, I, I share it often that cherry blossoms album is fantastic. Um, yeah, I share it often. My kids know your songs because I play them in the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, this morning, my five-year-old, so I was playing Dead Horse on the Way to Drop Her Off at School about two hours ago, and um, yeah. and the other ones are all virtual. She's in kindergarten, and virtual yeah. for kindergarten is just not going to work. And she's like, oh, I know this guy, but she just never heard the song, but she knows the <laughs> voice. You know, uh, There are a few people, so she knows Propaganda's voice, Yeah, Andy Minio, yours, um, and then... Uh, the guy uh, Ryan from Sleeping at Last. I listened to a lot of oh, his yeah. music. Yeah, so yeah, that's great. That's um, so cool. So when you you can take this wherever you want. When you try to explain what God is, and you're like, "Here's yeah. what it is. Here's here's what that that is. What what is that?" Uh, I, gosh, whew, man, I, I've actually this has been a little bit of a wrestling match with myself over the past couple of years, maybe. Uh, I, I was, I was, you know, tracking with Richard Rohr there for a while. Uh, but I, I, I parted ways with him when he started talking about, uh, I mean, cosmic Christ means so much at this point. And it's, I, I hate to just even say, throw that word out there, but, but the idea that I was catching from you know, guys like Richard Rohr. And then obviously that was filtering through guys like Gunger and science Mike and stuff uh, where I felt um, strongly opposed to the idea that, that God was, how do I say this? what I was missing in their description of God was the personal. So I, I felt that if you, if you, if you took God and you began to describe him only as being everywhere all of the time and, and in this table and in this guitar and, you know, it, 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 to me, that wasn't being faithful to the biblical revelation of God and, and I would say this, I'm fully sold out to the mystery of life and the mystery of God, but I would also say that God chose to reveal himself in the man Christ Jesus. And so I, that, that's, that's what I'm, I'm kind of building everything on is God as revealed in the man Christ Jesus and mm. You know, yeah. of course, volumes have been written on that, and yeah, that my best take at this point. It's it's what I'm betting it all on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fine answer. It's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> um, Andy, where do you want people to go as we're as we're coming close to the end of the time? Um, and I have a few other questions for you after the fact. But where do you want people to go? Yeah, uh, you know, andysquires.com is a great place to start. And my my name is spelled funny. It's S-Q-U-Y-R-E-S, mm. andysquires.com. And then of course I'm on all the socials. They can find me yeah. deep dive on Instagram in particular. Um, I'm pretty great on Twitter too, if you're interested in that at all. That's kind of a different crowd, but it's Twitter's fun. my love language. Instagram yeah. I put things on like once a month because I feel like the algorithms yeah. need some form of input. But Twitter yeah. Twitter's what, ah, so I'm an Enneagram five. So Twitter for me is like my thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially as I'm reading through and I'm like, oh, I remember all the contextual subtweets that are involved in this. This person right here (laughs) is funny. And half the people reading this have no idea. And this is good. Yeah. Twitter's my love language. So, um, well, good. Andy, thank you so much for this morning. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. The podcast is produced by the patron supporters of the show. You should be among them. You know that you should. And you're wondering, oh, what else is he going to say? And so you're going to try to hit fast forward and you went too far. And then when you come back, you're right back here. So let's stop messing around. If you're able to become a patron of the show, it helps so much. And if you can't, I get it. There are other ways to support the show. 
A huge thanks to Andy for both being on the show and also for his music in this week's episode. I pray that you and I both will realize how blessed and unbelievably loved we are. We'll talk soon. Upon the water, I am called.